and Grandma about what they wanted for Christmas, and uh, Johnny said, uh, Grandma, I'll tell you what I want, and Grandma said, well, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to go in your room. I want both of you to go in your room, get on your knees, and you need to pray to God about what you want for Christmas. And so they went in their room. Johnny started praying. Johnny said something like this, Dear God, I sure would like to have a baseball glove and a football for Christmas. And then he said, and dear God, I'd love to have a bicycle. Jimmy said, Johnny, you don't have to scream so loud. God's not deaf. Johnny said, I know, but Grandma is, all right? She was in the other room, of course. What kind of gift can you get and give this Christmas? Five gifts that you need. Five gifts that I need this Christmas. Five gifts everyone needs. And I'll tell you where we're going. We're going today in a passage of Scripture that we're going to see these five gifts. I've really been seeking the Lord and praying and saying, God, what kind of gift do we really need? I'm waiting for everybody to kind of get situated here and and then we'll get right into the message. Uh, There are five gifts that I believe you need and I need today. And uh, we're going to look at those gifts. Number one, uh, everybody needs the gift, watch this, of judging without being judgmental. We'll see that in a moment in the book of 1 Peter in chapter 1. But hold on. There's a second gift that you need and I need today and throughout the year. It's the gift of love without compromising. The third gift that you need and I need today is the gift of looking up and without neglecting to look out. Don't worry about getting these. I'll have these on the board. Don't worry about getting them down right now. If you can, fine, but don't worry about it. I'll get them on the board. I know many of you writing, and it blesses my heart. You're taking notes. Number four, the gift of being clean without being squeaky. The gift of being clean Without being, can y'all hear me in the back? Everybody listening? Okay, good. And then number five, number five, the gift of lighting and catching on fire without burning out. Without burning out. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. And I want you to look there as we look at this wonderful passage of Scripture And I don't know if you've ever noticed this particular verse in 1 Peter chapter 1. But as you're well aware of, Peter is an apostle. And that word apostle is apostolos, which means a messenger. Y'all listen. I do not believe, I believe apostle was an eyewitness of the Lord. Okay? An eyewitness of the Lord. That is, he had to witness the resurrection or at least be with our Lord. Now, a messenger is the definition for apostle. But anyway, 1 Peter chapter 1. And please follow along. It sure helps me with the message. If I look out and see that you're looking and you're not talking or looking out and the, the, uh, the distracted, it, it sure helps me to know you're listening and I can just flow along. But if I see you looking out the window or talking with somebody, I'm thinking, wow, I sure am not doing a good job at sharing the Word of God. So y'all please try to listen just for the few minutes we've got. And I believe God will bless you, okay? <laughs> I appreciate you being here. First Peter chapter 1. 
Turn there, please, in chapter 1, and let's look today at chapter 1. Stand to your feet as we read one verse, and then we're going to read more verses in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm looking today right now at 1 Peter chapter 1. Has everybody got it? If you got it in your Bible, hold your Bible up. You got your Bible and you got it up? Y'all don't have your Bible? Come on now. Hold your Bible up. Everybody got, everybody got it? Y'all don't have it? Come on now. Y'all get your Bible and get it out, all right? 1 Peter chapter 1. Look with me, please, in verse number 20. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 20. If you got it, say amen. Everybody didn't say amen. <laughs> all right, most of you did. Thank you. Yeah, all right. I like to see that you come to church and you're not just somewhere else. I want to see that you're, and, and that's half the battle right there is paying attention. And, and that's why I got to, hey, look, I, I'm just going to take a brief moment before I read, and then I'll read and we'll be done. I like to get a pen out or something. It helps help me keep me engaged if I'm writing no, notes. If I'm not writing notes, it's easy for me to go to sleep or uh, it's easy for me to get distracted. So whatever it takes for you to get engaged and be alert, uh, the Spirit of God is going to speak to you because the Word of God, and you've got a hard job. You really do listening, and I appreciate what you do every Sunday. I mean that. I'm trying to do with the Lord's help to try to keep you engaged. And uh, All right, it's 1 Peter chapter 1, and then verse number 20. 1 Peter 1, verse 20. Who verily, he's talking about the Lord Jesus and redeeming us with his own blood. Don't worry, I'll fill in the blanks in a moment. I'm not going to take time to read the whole uh, chapter. However, we'll go back and look at the, the different selected verses. By the way, I can preach this message. Y'all listen, I can preach this message in 28 minutes. But if I look out and you're distracted and talking and I have to stop and go over and you're not getting it, it'll take me 40, 45 minutes to preach the message. So I can really preach it a lot faster if you're engaged. And if you've ever been a pastor or a preacher, you know what I'm talking about, or a Sunday school teacher. And then, you, you know, your folks aren't listening, they're not engaged. All right? So I just thought I'd tell you that because you can really help me out. I know some people kid me about being long-winded, but uh, y'all just need to pray for me, okay? I need it. Look at chapter 1, verse number 20 again. But who barely was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. The word manifest, phaneru. That means the first coming of our Lord, the first advent. Let's pray together, Father. Thank you for your word, your will, your way. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Satan will be bound from this place. Lord, I know you've got a message for me, and you've got a message for every one of us. Lord, there are people struggling today. There are people depressed today. There are people, Father God, that are going through terrible ordeals, and many are discouraged, and many are, our Lord, facing trials and challenges. And, and oh, God, I pray that your, your word will take root in our heart and that, uh, Jesus, you will open our ears, get the earwax out of our ears, and quicken the word in our heart and help us to receive it with gladness, being hungry and thirsty, drinking in every word and feasting at the table that you're going to set before us today. I thank you that you are alive and well. And I praise you for your church. We pray for a spiritual awakening, for a revival, God. And Lord, it's so easy in these days with the clouds and the cold to just get complacent and get indifferent and just, Lord, just... Uh, uh, Father, stay in a state of, uh, of uh, uh, oh God, uh, just, uh, just coldness, I guess, Father, I'm trying to say. And I pray now that you're, you'll be high lifted up. We love you and give you glory. I pray for fresh cleansing in my own heart. And thank you again for the blood, the cross, the victory of Jesus. 
And we just give you audience today, yield our bodies to you today. I pray for breakthroughs, Father. And we love you now and give you praise for your great love for us. And we pray this with thanksgiving in the name of Jesus, the name of every other name. Amen and amen and amen. You may be seated. Here's where we're going today, as I already mentioned to you. First of all, there are five gifts. Now, y'all listen, please. There are five gifts that we must, uh, there are five gifts that I think that every one of us need to have, okay? Five gifts. Number one, if you'll notice on the screen, the gift of learning to judge without being judgmental. Find 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 17. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 17. And you got it? If you got it, say amen. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons, what's the next word? What's the next word? Judge it, all right? There's where I derive that conclusion. Who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work past the time of your sojourning here in fear. Now, here's the one of the most misunderstood themes in the Christian life. And you know what it is. God the Father judges us. God the Son will judge us at the judgment seat of Christ. And don't listen, don't miss this. You and I are to exercise judge or judging as well. Now I know that just threw, threw you off a loop. The most misquoted verse in the Bible is verse we're going to look at in a moment. You know where it is? Matthew chapter 7. You're judging me. How many of you have ever heard that? You're judging me. Don't judge me. Well, wait a minute. What do we mean by that? You need to know what the Bible teaches about the matter of judgment because do you realize the Bible teaches, Paul said, the saints are to judge the world. There's a right way to judge and there's a wrong way to judge, okay? Now, those of you that say judging, you're judgmental, you don't know what you're talking about. We're going to look at what we're going to, I'm not being ugly, I'm just telling you the truth. You need to know what the Bible teaches, not what you read out of a book or somebody else said or what you've derived because of maybe some things in your own life. So, number one, the gift of learning to judge without being judgmental. It's in our nature to be judgmental. Do you not agree with me? It's in our nature to be judgmental. But wait a minute, before we uh, conclude all of that, I want to draw your attention to not only 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, and if you call on the Father, who without respect of person judgeth according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear. The word judgeth there is an interesting word, and it says that he's going to judge every man's work. Do you know that Jesus Christ will judge us at the judgment seat of Christ? Write this verse down. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. You know what it says? It says that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we might receive what we've done in the body, whether it be good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5.10. What's he talking about? He's talking about every Christian after the rapture of the church will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But wait a minute. There's more to this judgment than us Christians being judged, not the great white throne judgment which determines whether we go to heaven or go to hell, but this means whether we'll be rewarded or suffer loss. Now, the word judging there... Uh, let me just tell you uh, the misquoted verse that's so often and uh, misquoted and misunderstood. Here it is right here, Matthew chapter 7. Notice, what did Jesus mean when he said, judge not lest you be judged? Now, y'all need to get this, and if you don't get it right now, which you probably won't because we're covering a lot of 
things in a short period of time. Please get the tape and listen it over again. Let God register this in your heart. You see, because Matthew chapter 7 says something like this. Look up here on the screen. Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. Then he said, for what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote, notice mote, in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how will thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote? splinter, if you will, out of thine eye, and behold, there's a two before, a beam in thine own eye. Verse 5, don't miss it, please, don't miss it. Why? Because this is misquoted in the Christian life. You're judging me, you're judging me, you're not supposed to judge. Wait a minute, look what Jesus said. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam. First, he's talking to the Jews, and yes, he's talking to us today. First, Cast out the beam, the two before, out of thine eye, and then what? Thou shalt say clearly to cast out the mote out of the brother's eye. Now, does verse 5, if that's not telling us that we need to get our own heart right first, and then we'll be able to help others, and that refers to judging, okay, in a good way. If you're in agreement, would you say amen? If you can't see that, you're missing, you're missing Matthew chapter 7, verse 4. Verse 5, he said, first, we're to get the beam out of our eye. It's all right to use discernment. It's all right to exercise judgment. But don't go to somebody with a big log in your eye, and they've got a little bitty splinter. You know, I can, I can see a lot of everybody else's splinters in their eyes. Uh, I can't see that, that big log in my own eye. He's saying this, look, look, look. Get that two before out of your eye, and then you'll be able to see how to get that splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't go to people with that big log in your eye when you've got something wrong in your own life, and then you're trying to tell everybody else what to do. First, doing a self-examination. Paul put it this way. Let every man examine himself. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Why? So that God won't have to judge us. So there's this matter of judgment. We need to learn. It's a gift. It's a gift. And I believe you need this gift, and I need this gift for Christmas, the gift of judging without being judgmental. The gift of judging without being judgmental. Let me go a little further in that, okay? All right? So this matter of judging, people say, Judge, do you're judging me. They don't know what they're talking about. They need to look at first, read the whole context. Notice what Ken Ham said about it. He said, I must admit, I'm so tired of people quoting Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you be not judged, out of context, and claiming we're not to judge. And of course, as they do, they are judging us for what we say. Can I get an amen? Did y'all follow on what he said? They're judging you when they say, you're judging me. Well, they're already casting judgment on you for judging. We've got this thing all messed up. That's why I'm taking a little bit extra time to go into detail about this thing of judging. Notice what he says, John 24, 724 says, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. That's Ken Ham. Ken Ham has got the ministry called Genesis and back to Genesis, and we've used his literature and so forth. He's right. He's right. Judge me not. Well, we can judge people if we're not careful and, uh, and not realize it that, we got to get the beam out of our own eye. Is there anybody today just being judgmental towards somebody else? You know, I ran across this example 
Not just mothers. Fathers can be judgmental too. Mommy judging. You know what? Parents' behavior might lead you to judge another mom. Her kid is a brat. You ever said that about somebody else's child? Their kid's a brat. Have you ever said this about their child? She breastfeeds them and they're three years old. You ever said that about somebody? It's easy to be judgmental, isn't it? And uh, she has an overweight child. We're starting to judge people. And if we're not careful and we're not really doing our own examination, here's what I've discovered. If we're doing some examination in our own heart and we're confessing our sin before God, we're not going to be quick to point out everybody else's sin because we realize we got a whole lot we got to confess ourselves. Y'all lost me just there. See, that's our problem. We're not confessing our sin. That's right. And we can see everybody else's sin, but not our own. It's like the lady that had uh, sweeping the floor. She kept sweeping the floor. She kept sweeping the floor. She kept sweeping the floor. She said, it's not clean. It's not clean. She just kept sweeping the floor. Somebody said, what more are you doing? She said, I'm sweeping the floor. They said, well, it's clean. She said, no, it isn't. And then all of a sudden, she took her glasses off and realized her glasses were dirty. Hey. It's easy to see everybody else's sin, but not my own. Hello, are you confessing your sins before God? I'll tell you, if you're confessing your sin, you're not going to be a self-righteous Pharisee and go to somebody and say, uh, you, this is your problem, your problem. Rather, you're going to go with them with the intent to restore them back in fellowship with God. And that's what we need to do today. Can I be honest with y'all? Is it all right for me to get, get honest with y'all today? All right? I'm going to get honest with you, okay? Because... Uh, uh, the gift of judging, the gift of learning, learning to judge without being judgmental. And we live in this old world. I, I shared with you that. Any of you heard of this uh, singer? I don't know a whole lot about him. But I'm quick, if I'm not careful, to judge. And many of you are too. Don't look at me like you're not. You know you are. And many of you got a judgmental spirit today. And many of you need to, you know, we need to get that thing right with God today because we're very judgmental about people in the church, outside the church, family. And why am I preaching this? Because it's Christmas time. And aren't we quick to be judgmental to our family? I can't hear you. Yeah, we can point out all their fault and flaws and we get together with them and next thing you know, all we do is talk about the things that we noticed in their life. And as if we don't have uh, the you know, little, you know, good air to clean up some of our stuff. Anybody, does this name register a bell, a bell in your life or register in your life? I think you pronounce it Kanye West. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Don't lie in church now. Anyway, this guy, I don't know a whole lot about him. I just read about him in the paper. You know what? He got saved, supposedly. I know his heart. Uh, you know, y'all know who I'm talking about. Don't act like you don't. You know who I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, this guy got saved, and, 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 and if I'm not careful, watch this. I'm telling you, and because I'm convinced you're in the same category. I'm in the, I'm in the category to say, well, is he really saved? I mean, let me just say it this way. I, I hope and trust he is. Praise the Lord. I'll be the first to rejoice. I think we need to pray for him, number one. But I think we need to be cautiously optimistic, too. Certainly, when you get in a stage like that, just the other day, he was over at uh, the Joel Osteen's uh, Lakewood Church, biggest church in America. And you saw it in the paper. I read about it in the paper too. And, uh, th and, and so as a, if he's a Christian, he had a mental breakdown and supposedly he had a conversion. His testimony seems to merit that he's been saved. And, and so we have to be careful. However, why am I saying this? Because many so-called Christians recently have renounced their Christianity. I told you about one not long ago, a man named Josh. He just totally renounced. He was a pastor, and, and he just totally renounced his Christianity. 
And so we got to be discerning, but we, we got to be careful too. And so I'm just being honest with you. This matter of learning to judge, you're in the church, especially if you've been in the church any length of time, and people come, visitors come, you know some stuff about them in the community. Y'all look up here. You know some stuff about them. Y'all look up here. You know some stuff about them in the community. And they show up at church. And then the first thing you think is what? What you heard about them. What they've been through. And it's almost as if, it's almost as if, wait a minute, y'all look at me. It's almost as if we think New Rocky Creek is for a country club for saints. It's a hospital for sinners, folks. Y'all aren't with me. You see how easy it is to have a judgmental spirit a critical spirit, and when people come in here, how many know they need Jesus? And whatever it takes to get them to Jesus. You might have heard this about them, that about them, or you might have some preconceived notions about it, but how many know that we need to pray for them and we need to do whatever we can to get them to Jesus? Well, I could stop right there and give an invitation because we're so judgmental about this stuff. I know I deal with it myself in my own heart. I'm not careful. I'm judgmental in a flat minute. Dealing with all the stuff in churches and things and people that come and go and things you deal with all the time. And you can get that way too. Very judgmental. Hey, so number one, the first gift is the gift of learning to judge without being judgmental. But there's a second gift. It's this, if you'll notice in your uh, Bible, in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, it's not only judging without being judgmental. Secondly, it's learning to love without compromise here's a gift i need it you need it for christmas but why because this time of the year oh, we can come to church and say you know what i'm good man i went and i participated in this and that i've i've, I've taught sons i've preached for this many years you know what god's interested in he's interested in your heart is your heart right with god have you got bitterness in your heart are you angry uh, have you confessed your sins today? Have you? Are you walking with the Lord? Are you complaining all the time? I mean, that's the bottom line. The gift of loving without compromising. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. The gift of loving without compromising. I'm convinced God put this message in my heart. I'm convinced because I need it and we need it, especially this time of the year. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Look with me, please, in verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Notice what he's saying. He's saying we're to love, unfeigned love. And hypocritan is the word for unfeigned love. It means sincere from your heart. Can you say you honestly love your brethren? Hey, y'all listen now. Why are we so competitive with our Christian friends? It's not very long. Listen, it's not very long that in the church we'll get clicks. You'll start hanging around with this person or that person or going out with this couple or that person. And then next thing you know, if you're not careful, you can get a click. You can get, and there's nothing wrong with having friends. You ought to have them in church. But you don't need to neglect other people in the church either. You need to reach out to everybody. I know we might have those who we get along with more. But, uh, but the thing of loving without being compromising, loving without compromising. Before I go any further, you need to know that Simon was the sand man and he was turning the rock man. He knew a lot about what we're talking about today. Loving without compromising. What do I mean by that? I mean this. I mean that we are to love the sinner but hate their sin. We're to love the sinner but hate their sin. 
And so there's a big difference. You don't have to love their sin, but you're to love them and love, uh, love them because the Lord wants us to love them. And, uh, and so notice, we're to love them but not love their sin. We're to love and not compromise. Love without compromise. You know, this is a very difficult thing when you've got family and loved ones and friends that are living, you know, not in necessarily, not going to church, not serving God. You know that they've got some things in their life that aren't right. And yet you, you know what they're going through. And if you are not careful, then you can begin to cut yourself off from having some influence in their life. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you right there right now. It's difficult to love people without compromising a sinful lifestyle, is it not? It takes grace. It takes God's mighty, supernatural, extraordinary power to love people without compromising. And so I suggest to you today that some of us need to get to the altar and pray, Dear God, we need you to fill us up with your love so that we won't be critical and we won't be judgmental and we can learn to love people without compromising. That means you don't have to go along with necessarily the lifestyle. You don't have to, you know, agree with everything they do or say. But I'll tell you, the Lord wants us to learn how to love people without compromise. Who is it right now in your family you're real critical toward? You're having a hard time loving them. You know you are. Uh, and there's some stuff that's not just right with them or maybe some coworkers. You know, you can love them without compromising. And you don't have to hang with them. They'll pull you down. Come out from the world. You see, we get in church, we hear the truth of God, and then next thing you know, it's hard for us to know how to draw the line. There's a gift that you need today is learning, and me, I need to learn to love people without compromising sin or sinful lifestyle. So who do you need to pray about today? See, you cut yourself off from them. I know that's a tendency, especially when you're young in the Christian faith, you start hearing truth and then you don't want anything to do with anybody else in your family because they're not living right with God. And you say, well, I, and you don't say it, but you feel this way. Well, they'll pull me down. Yeah, they will if you're not close and clean to the Lord. But, or you'll say this, you'll say, you know, I, 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 we need to pray for them, yes. But if you're going to try to win them to the Lord, if you're going to use your testimony, your legacy, yes, your influence in the life, you've got you to gotta have some involvement in their life. Learning to love without compromising. How many need a good old-fashioned dose of that? Come on, let me see your hands. I do. Man, I'm convinced y'all do too. God wouldn't have put this message on my heart if you didn't need it. I know you need it. I need it. So let's get real, okay? Can you get real today? I talked with a man here not long ago, and he's been drinking, and he was half-lit, and, uh, and uh, letting the words fly. And uh, honestly, I, times like that, I just kind of, I, I kind of, uh, at times in the past, I just kind of, you know, wanted to just kind of, you know, not be around. But, but the Lord's given me love. And I said, dear God, you've got to give me love. Not compromising, but love. But love to restore, to pray. And so I'm convinced today that uh, this is one of these gifts that you need and I need. There's a third gift right here. The gift of, watch this, looking up without neglecting to look out. These are five gifts that you need. Those of you that just came in or come in late, and you notice, or later, you notice there's five gifts I'm just reviewing so you'll be aware of what we've talked about. First, there's the gift of learning to judge without being judgmental. 
you say, Pastor, you've already judged. Uh, we looked at Matthew 5, and if, uh, I'm sorry, verse chapter 7. And, and those of you that are looking around saying, well, who's he talking about now? Don't worry about it, amen? Just listen to what I'm fixing to say. You say, Pastor, you're judging. You're right, amen? <laughs> Y'all forgive me. Hey, but look, you stand up here, you'll see it's not as easy as you think. It's not as easy as you think. You try. You'll, you'll see. It's easy for you to throw rocks at me, and I've been where you're at too. By the way, it's easy to be, can I say this? I'm taking a little break right now. It's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback. Well, if I would have been in the ball game, bless God, I would have done this and that. Guess what? You're not in the ball game. You're sitting in the stands or you're watching on television. And we're, we're, we're notoriously bad about that, aren't we? About, well, if I, if I would have, Brother Randy, I wouldn't have said that if I was you and, and you should have. If you won't get anything out of the message. Sometimes you've got to spit the bones out, amen? I make mistakes all the time. Eat the fish and spit the bones out. Just overlook Pastor Randy and stuff he says, all right? Because I need your prayers too, okay? All right. Y'all notice I'm right down here with you. There's a reason I'm right down here with you. It's cold outside. It's cloudy outside. Man, I, I'll tell you, it's hard to stay awake these days, isn't it? It really is. And so y'all love me and I love you. Now, Look at number three, the gift of, the gift of uh, looking up and not neglecting to look out. Look at chapter 1, verse 13. Look at chapter 1 and verse 13. Look what Peter said. He said, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see that word revelation? You know what it is? You know what the word is? It's the word apocalypsis. It, it's the word that the revelation, the coming of the Lord, Peter is saying, gird up. I want you to underline several words. Are you ready for them? Underline these words. One, gird up. Two, be sober. Three, hope to the end. And then four, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we, we can, we, I need the gift to learn to look up and not l neglect to look out. The fields are white in the harvest. The labors are few. There's multitude of needs. Y'all listen to me. A lot of people today, right now, December the 8th, that are chronically depressed. And if you've ever had uh, the life and uh, somebody pass away, you know this time of the year can be a very sad time, Brother Eddie, because Brother Shelton's not here with us at Christmas time. Tommy's not here with us at Christmas time. By the way, I was just thinking of it. Ruth's not here. Brother Julius with us at Christmas time. Who else have we had to go on to be with the Lord in our church family recently? Oh, Mr. Raven's not here with us. It can be a sad time. Can it not? Sure it can. Carrie's not here with us. It can be a sad time. It's a glad time, but it can be a sad time. We're to look up, but we're also to look out. Look out. But how are we to look up and why are we to look up? Chapter 1. Go back to chapter 1. I want to point out a couple of things. Look at verse 5. Verse 5, verse 7, verse 9. It's, it's, I'm not just pulling this out of thin air. This is reference in Peter. Peter's writing to those Christians in Bithynia and Cappadocia and Asia. You know what that is? That's modern-day Turkey. What's his theme? Suffering, hardship, persecution. And Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers, verse 1 says. By the way, can I just time out for a moment? Pastor's going to run a rabbit here, and I'll come back to the text. I want you to look at verse number 3. I'm sorry, verse 2. You know what somebody says? The Trinity's not mentioned in the Bible. The Trinity, you Christians, you all deceived, ignorant people. The Trinity's not mentioned in the Bible. You've heard that. Don't look at me like you're strange. You know you've heard that. 
Guess what? It's not mentioned in the Bible, the word Trinity. But there's other words like rapture is not mentioned in the Bible. That doesn't mean it's not in the Bible. Look at verse 2. Here's the Trinity right here. Hallelujah. Verse 2. Elect. The word elect is electos. Verse 2 of 1 Peter 1. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Through sanctification of the Spirit. Capital S. Unto the obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace be multiplied. There's the Trinity right there. You see it? The Father, the Spirit, and God the Son. Three in one and one in three and the one in the middle died for me. That's pretty good theology. But for the sake of where we were at, go back to verse number 13. And I just, verse 5, 7, and 9. Go back to verse 5. Look at verse 5, please. In verse 5, who are kept by the power of God. By the way, those of you that bring your Bible, I've got it right up here. Don't worry. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me say this. I hope you'll bring your Bible. Please, don't ever get dependent upon the screen. Only reason I bring this up on the screen is maybe there might be some people who show up. They're not Christians, and, and they don't know what we're talking about. I want them to see it too. But I want you to keep reading your Bible. Can I get a witness? Keep reading your Bible. I want you to see what pastor's saying. I'm not just saying it. I want you to check it out. Search the scriptures as the as the church of Berea, the Christians. And so here's the verse I want to uh, go back, please, with you. Verse number five. Who are, verse five, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now look at verse number seven. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and the glory at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then look at verse 9, receiving the end of your salvation, even the salvation of your souls. What am I saying? I'm saying Peter's writing about the coming of the Lord. So the question is this, how can we look up, how can we look up and yet not neglect to look out? How can we look up and not neglect to look out? I talked with a person not long ago, and uh, this person said, I'm going through a divorce, Pastor. I didn't know it. I began to feel really compassion and and heartache for this person and so some people say this some people say this look you're so heavenly minded you can't be any earthly good have y'all ever heard that you've never heard that well you probably will you're so heavenly minded you're not any earthly good guess what you can be heavenly minded and be earthly good hello and people when you start talking about the second coming of Christ they think oh that's pie in the sky stuff it has no relevant practical application to me today wrong it does and see if you study the coming of the Lord it ought to motivate you to want to serve the Lord amen because we know we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ so looking up and looking out the person I just mentioned to you going through divorce uh, I begin to ask them some few questions and and then begin to pray for them looking up and looking out how many know that listen you know, how many know somebody that's not saved today? Do you know anybody that's not saved? Probably most of us here. How many know that, watch, how many of you know, y'all listen, please, y'all look up here, everybody, just for a moment, please. Everybody look up here just for a moment. How many know somebody that's not in church? Raise your hand. It's not in church. Everybody, do y'all know somebody that's unchurched? All right. See, this is what we need to be praying about today. Can y'all hear me? This is what we need to be praying about today. It's praying for people who aren't right with the Lord. See, we're looking up, and when we look up, we realize, man, judgment's coming. The great white throne judgment's coming, and if people don't 
repent and turn to Jesus, they'll die without God, according to the Bible. They'll not have a second chance. Whosoever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast on the lake of fire. And if that don't motivate us to, to go and tell, oh yeah, we can look up and not neglect to look out. How'd the shepherds say it, Nancy? Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. See, that's what we ought to be doing. Go and tell it on the mountain. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, the great news. We live in a dark world, a world that needs desperately to know God. So, number four. Not only the gift of learning to judge without being judgmental, not only, and by the way, if you come to church and you get your feelings hurt, pray about that thing, okay? If you're one of those who got your feelings on your sh shoulders and every time you get around somebody and start talking about God and you, you know, a lot of times people feel guilty because maybe some stuff in their life that really got it right with the Lord and anybody that says anything just contrary to their lifestyle or whatever, I don't like them. I'm not going to that church anymore. I felt guilty. The purpose is not feeling guilty. The purpose is yielding to God. That's our message. Now, if you don't yield to God, I can't help that, okay? I just got to deliver the mail, right? And, and as poor and as adequate as it is. But if you find yourself getting your feelings hurt all the time, you might want to look in the mirror, <laughs> right? You might want to look in the mirror. Hello? This is gift. This is Christmas. This is what we're talking about. The gift of watch. Learning to be clean or living clean without being squeaky. I want to draw your attention. Learning to be clean without being squeaky. What in the world, Pastor, are you talking about that? Look at verse 14, 15, 16. I'm going real, real, real slow today. Real, real, real slow. I'm putting it in lower gear because I want you to be with me because I'm convinced God wants me and you to know what he wants to say to us today. And I appreciate you being here. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which had called you is holy, Hagios, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Peter's saying, God's holy, and he's living in us to make us more like him. No, we're not perfect. No, we're not arrived. But look at verse 16. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy so you don't have to go back to like you were before you were saved you don't have to to live that way bc days be clean without being squeaky not only we need to learn to judge without being judgmental and learn watch this to love without compromising and look up without neglecting to look out but number four the gift of living clean without being squeaky what do I mean by clean and squeaky? Here's what I mean by that. It's one thing to come to church and for God to speak to you and you get things right with the Lord. I'm hoping you'll do that today. I'm convinced there's jealousy among us today. There's envying among us today. There's lust among us today. There's covetous among us today. There's a host of uh, other things that we're battling with. All of us are battling with this. And, and so 
my goal today is that you and I search our heart, ask God to cleanse us with his blood. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The purpose we gather at church is not to entertain, not to just show off our clothes or, or, or just pat each other on the back. Our purpose is to do business with God. Can I get an amen? It's a good place to say amen. And if you ever lose sight of that, you've lost the motive for going to church, right? If it's just to see people and, you know, the social element of it, I enjoy that too, but we've missed the element if we've not focused on the spiritual implications that God wants us to know. Now, what do I mean by skeet squeaky clean? Y'all be honest with me today. It's just us today, right? It's just us, right? It's just us at church. How many of y'all, be honest, I'm going to be honest with you. You go to church on Sunday, maybe Sunday night, Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, or, or Sunday school, and, and, and uh, maybe you read your Bible, maybe, or, or whatever. Maybe you're praying some during the week. Hope you are. Hope you're reading your Bible every day. Hope you're praying every day. If not, that's a great place to start right there. But, but how many know that it's easy once you become a Christian and once you sit in church on Sunday is to be squeaky clean that you want everybody else to know how clean you are? I can't hear you. You want everybody else to know how clean you are, and I'm not doing that stuff, and this and that and other. Well, if you, you don't have to go around and tell everybody how clean you are. People will notice how clean you are. And so sometimes, and, and it's, I'm preaching myself, okay? Sometimes we come to church, and if we're not careful, we develop this squeaky clean, I'm, I'm okay, and everything's right with me, and, and I see them, and I see them. And, and so the point is, this is a gift. God, help me to be clean. Wash me and I should be whiter than snow. Create within me a clean heart, O oh God. And uh, renew a right spirit within me, restoring to me the joy of your salvation. Then when I teach transgressors their ways, and sinners should be converted to thee. It's all right to come to church. You need to do that. But recognize the only way we're clean is by the blood of Jesus. And the only reason we're here is hopefully because of the grace of God and because of God's goodness. And we have no really right to brag or glory in the flesh, but our glory should be in the Lord, right? Oh, yeah. But if we're not careful, listen, beloved, we could easily develop this idea. Well, I've done God's service, and therefore, you know, uh, I'm okay. Well, I hope we are okay, and if not, we need to get things okay, all right? Then, last but not least, the gift of lighting and catching on fire without burning out. Look at chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Don't you love the Bible? Don't you love to go through the Bible like this? What we're doing is just going through the Scripture, letting the Scripture speak. But I see so much in here, and I want you to get so much just in here, okay? Chapter 1 of the book of First Peter, if you're there, hope you are. First Peter, chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Look at it who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Notice verse 21. It's a great verse. By the way, if uh, those of you that need this uh, on the screen, uh, that's 14 through 16. And uh, the gift of lighting, catching on fire, verse 21. Notice, who by him do believe in God that raised him up, verse 21, who raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Can I put it this way? Okay. Here it is again on the screen. Jesus was born to die. That's right. 
He was born to die, die for your sins, my sins. Pay the penalty of our sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He was born to die, but wait a minute. He was born to die, but he was born to be raised from the dead. And not only is our penalty of sin dealt with, but the power of sin is broken. Romans 6 declares, uh, Galatians 5 declares, the power of sin is broken. It doesn't mean sinless perfection, but it means this. There is that uh, ability for one to be in fellowship with God every day. Why? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because of the Word of God, the cleansing of the Word of God. Because of the precious blood of the Lamb of God. So God's given us provisions to walk with Him every day. Isn't that wonderful to walk with Jesus? Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And so He not only raised Him from the dead, that First, our sins would be forgiven, and, and therefore we are forgiven of the penalty of sin, but then the power of sin, and finally, the very presence of sin. You see that in that verse? I see that very clearly, that our faith and hope might be in God. Yes, he raised him from the dead, gave him glory. Jesus conquered the grave, and he's coming back again. That's our hope. Hey, this time of the year, people need hope. They need peace, even Christians. Uh, it's so easy to get caught up in the commercialism. Can I get an amen? Man, getting all the decorations. You go to the mall. You go downtown. I don't know if you, you, maybe you don't. Either way, you're bombarded all the time on television. It's Christmas this, Christmas that. And there's nothing wrong with some of the entertainment they have on television. But it's easy to get distracted. Well, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Can I get an amen? You know what I'm talking about. Commercials and television shows. And then we get all sentimental and we forget about really the meaning of Christmas. So, the greatest gift of God, God gave his greatest gift to mankind from God. We're talking about gifts today. The gift of the Holy Spirit of God. I love what John said. John said, he will baptize you with water when I, but when the Holy Ghost has come, he will baptize you with fire and power. I know I need the fire of God in my heart every day. And I know you need the fire of God in your heart every day. I know what the devil's working on me over time, and I'm convinced he's working on you as well. I'm convinced that it's so easy to get in the world and be of the world, but God says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. First John 4 and 4. Yes, it's very, very challenging these days to stay focused, to stay focused, to be sober. That is, not to let our minds wander. That's why Peter said, gird up your loins. It's a picture of a long, flowing robe that in a race, they wouldn't run with those long flowing robes in there. You ladies know what I'm talking about. In a dress, you'd pull, and they'd pull those robes up. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Uh, don't be so occupied with the things in the world. Be holy as I'm holy. And God's calling us today to let the fire of God burn in our hearts. How many have got the fire of God burning in your heart? How many have got the zeal and a passion to know God? I'm not talking about counterfeit. I'm not talking about just hearing a sermon and they get pumped up emotionally. I'm talking about spending some time with the Lord. I'm talking about waiting upon his presence. I'm talking about really letting God reveal himself to us. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost pouring fresh oil in our heart and that'll keep us encouraged in these days, full of faith, hope, and love, that we might not burn out, but we might be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. God wants to light some fires in our heart today. It's not just going to automatically happen. It's not going to happen when we snap our fingers at God. God's going to test us and see how serious we are about his fire in our heart. And how many today would say, God, I know that, Lord, I'm here for a predetermined time, a short period of time. I don't know how much time I've got left, but help me to be faithful to the finish. Help me to be a spirit pill on fire Christian. 
that God I could burn as a bright light in a dark world. Oh, yes, Lord. There's some of us today, the fire is flickering, about ready to go out. And God's saying, I'll fan the flames of faith. Stir up the gift of God, which is in thee, with the laying of hands. God's saying, I've got the fire available for you. I've got the power available for you. I've got the Holy Ghost. He's in you. He's in you to work. He's in you to tear down the strongholds of the enemy. He's in you to make you more than a conqueror. He's in you to put the whole armor of God on you. He's in you to move the mountains. He's in you and working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If you'll reach out your hand to faith, if you'll look up to heaven, if you'll just yield yourself to me, if you'll be broken and confess your sin, God said, I'll release my power on you. I'll give you greater influence. I'll enlarge your coast. I'll be in you and with you until the very end and people's lives will be changed and Jesus will have the preeminence and the church will march forward under the glory of the cross and the people of God said amen and amen and amen let's stand to our feet today can we